Welcome to WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed Medical Management. WellMed Radio will educate you about health and wellness for seniors and their families throughout Bear County in Central Texas. During the next hour, your hosts Ron Aaron and nurse practitioner Cora Zhuk will share information that will help you improve your health and wellness. And now, here's Ron Aaron and Cora Zhuk. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron. Korjuk is on special assignment today, our nurse practitioner co-host, so I am flying solo, and I'm sure we'll be able to make it through the morning. Delighted to have you with us on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. WellMed Radio comes to you over the radio, over the airwaves, every Sunday at 5 p.m., and podcasts of all of our shows are available as well for you to listen to, download, and share with friends and neighbors and family. We are delighted to welcome... To this program, Dr. Rafia Aftab, who is with WellMed at Mesquite. She is a family practitioner, received her undergraduate degree from Dow University of Health Sciences in Pakistan, earned her medical degree certification from the Educational Commission for Foreign Medical Graduates, and completed her family medicine internship at the Rapids Regional Hospital in Alexandria, Louisiana. She's board certified in family medicine and uh, Dr. A, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me today. I'm so excited. So how was living uh, in Alexandria, Louisiana? A lot of crawfish. Oh, yeah. That's what I loved about it. All that, um, you know, Cajun food and, and those, you know, spices and jambalaya and all that. I still miss that. And it's probably tougher to get that up in Mesquite where you live. Um, I have still some. I have found some areas where I can go and have that food. But I love Texas uh, as well. That's pretty cool. Well, I, I want to thank you for for joining us. You've been over a, a year with WellMed uh, at mm-hmm. Mesquite, and I know one of the things you wanted to talk about is something most of us, as just mm-hmm. you know, plain old civilians, never think mm-hmm. about, and that's our thyroid. Never think about until we have a problem. Uh-huh. And yeah, let me tell you that uh, so many patients I see, uh, even though they wouldn't know if they have that disease, but they commonly present with some symptoms which are like indicative of uh, either they are having low thyroid and um, sometimes high thyroid. So we call it like uh, hypothyroidism or um, uh, underactive thyroid or low thyroid, which is more common that, than the hyperthyroid, which is the, you know, high active uh, thyroid disease. And uh, uh, the symptoms are actually very common than um, we would think of. And uh, when the patient come, uh, I have like uh, diagnosed so many patients who wouldn't know that they had that disease, but, um, you know, ordering the test and taking care of them, um, now they're doing much better. Well, do me a favor for, for those of us who are not physicians or nurse mm-hmm. practitioners or providers. What's mm-hmm. the 411 on, on thyroid? What does it do? Why do we have it? And how important is it? So basically, thyroid hormone is a, is an, uh, is a hormone which is produced in the thyroid gland in the front of our neck. And this is one of the endocrine system um, gland which helps uh, for the metabolism in all of our uh, body systems. So um, when uh, it produces in, uh, from the thyroid gland, it circulates in all over our body and it helps with our skin, it helps with our uh, regular bowel, uh, you know, um, maintenance. Like if it doesn't work well, we can have constipation. It also helps at the level of brain with memory and concentration and also like... Um, uh, when we feel our temperature, like some people feel more cold or some people feel more hot. So all the temperature regulation it helps with, it also um, interferes with the weight gain um, and appetite and uh, with our voice, with our, you know, even uh, with the females, it, uh, it, it uh, you know, interferes with their menstrual cycles, even the sensation can be abnormal and hearing, you know, you just name it. It's all over in our body. It, 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 uh, you know, um, has its function, like with our hair, uh, with our skin, with heart rate, uh, 
uh, even the tendon reflexes and um, some of our mucosal um, area where like the lung comes, the pleural effusion and all, effusion and all that. Like, you know, it it is like, um, I would say, involved in multiple body functions, uh, you know. So if I, if I will talk to you more in detail, you would know, you know, what would be the symptoms. Well, give us some of the symptoms. And, and listening to you describe how, how important and involved the thyroid is, it's one of those mm-hmm. organs that gets no respect. People ought to care more about their <laughs> thyroid. Yeah, you know, it's something like uh, people wouldn't know that one thing can affect so many areas in the body. Yes. And um, when when patient comes and he would say, oh, doctor, um, I've been like having problem with losing weight or I have noticed that I have increased weight a lot. And then um, I feel tired. So tiredness is the most common uh, symptom I have uh, whenever the patient says that my, you know, I get alerted that, oh, maybe, uh, you know, the thyroid might be something I need to check. They will feel like fatigue, no energy to work. And, you know, um, other than that, they would have like a lot of hair loss. And sometimes they would have like coarseness of the skin and they might not have a good bowel movement. They would say, doctor, I'm having having constipation. Sometimes um, the female patient would say that they're having irregular periods. They're missing their periods or the periods are very heavy or sometimes they're very light. So basically that and some weird symptoms, patients sometimes would say they were having swelling in their legs. And um, sometimes it is associated with thyroid, and no one thinks about it. You right. like regular, you know, patient, they wouldn't know that it could be just that one hormone which is doing all that. How did you get interested in the thyroid? You know, everybody, like, I'm a family practitioner, and I see all kind of patients, but it is so interesting that usually patients know that, oh, they have high blood pressure, or they have heard they have diabetes, or their family have the diabetes, but it's like that interesting, like, you know, detective thing for me, that those one, two, or three symptoms all together, and I'm like, hmm, what if it's like that, right? So I think it's very interesting for me because it's kind of a clue. You just follow the symptoms and then you order the test and most of the time and it's abnormal and you are like, you, you know, yeah, I was thinking about it and it is what it is. You know, what, that's what I was thinking about it. And then once you start the treatment, you feel so much better and so many like uh, symptoms go away. So it's like an instant grati- you know, gratification that you were able to treat something. Well, it makes you look good too. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. What, what do you do? And to... the patients are happy too. They are like, "Wow, I didn't know that." You know that. Uh, you know, I had that problem. Sure. And taking that medication just changed my symptoms, and I feel much better. Well, what is the medication uh, most often used to treat a thyroid? Yeah, usually uh, most often medication is levothyroxine, and uh, that's the generic and um, uh, usually known as Synthroid. So levothyroxine is actually replacing the thyroid hormone which is missing or which is low and um, the, uh, our thyroid gland is not making enough. So we replace the thyroid hormone and <clears throat> levothyroxine comes in many doses, but we like to start it with a low dose and then we see how the symptoms are going and then we keep on checking the labs and it kind of tells us, you know, which way we are going and then... Um, be treated by increasing or decreasing the dose. Now, I know some people uh, have their thyroid removed, and then by taking Mm -hmm. Synthroid, does that replace Mm -hmm. the thyroid? Exactly. So one of the, um, uh, there are a few common reasons for low thyroid. One of them is thyroidectomy or or, uh, the patient is missing the thyroid gland because of the surgery. Um, And the Synthroid, usually is given to them for lifelong because they no longer have a thyroid gland and that does replace the regular thyroid, uh, uh, you know, hormone in our body. Now, if you've just joined us, you're listening to Dr. Rafia at Fab. Dr. A is with the WellMed at Mesquite Clinic and we're delighted to have her on WellMed Radio this morning on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. You can hear this show Sundays at 5 p.m., on 9.30 a.m., The Answer, and we're 
started off talking about thyroid, and we'll continue that for a little bit and then switch to some other topics that I'm sure Dr. A has a lot of familiarity with in her practice. For those who may have a thyroid problem, is it something they would know or suspect? Um, I think if they haven't ever heard about it, they wouldn't know what they are having because, you know, it's kind of, you need to know that there is some hormone out there which is doing all that to you. But uh, I guess a patient can, of course, notice the symptoms and always talk to their doctor about it and they will be able to go from there, order the blood work and, you know, um, uh, ask more about their symptoms. But just for, you know, a patient who hasn't ever talked about thyroid or no family member had any history, it will be hard for them to think about thyroid because it's not talked about so much, I guess, out there. It's not as top much of as mind. diabetes or hypertension is. You can live quite well without a thyroid, taking Synthroid, for example. Uh, are there, uh, at this point, any thyroid transplants? Um, I would, um, uh, you know, uh, forward this question to an endocrinologist for any up-to-date, um, okay. uh, you know, research or something. In my practice, I haven't seen anyone coming to me with a transplant. Um, I'm assuming because, you know, it is a very highly autoimmune-related uh, uh, gland. It must be, of course, in the research process, I'm sure, but I haven't heard so far. Okay. Is there I don't an want age? To be wrong, you know that's fine. No, that's I fine. Would like to, yeah, ask I, I an endocrinologist. Mm-hmm. Is there an age relationship to thyroid problems, or can it occur at almost any age? So it is very interesting that um, it can occur at any age, especially you know a newborn can have a thyroid problem, and it's actually very. Um, uh, it manifests in a very severe way where um, they can have even the whole of their body can be affected by that. Uh, sometimes their tongue is very thick in and um, a lot of other uh, abnormalities oh. in in a newborn when he's born. The mo- mom who's pregnant can have the problem herself uh, because of some antibodies in her and um, uh, usually they check when the patient is pregnant, they check the thyroid, so it's, it's uh, you know, taken care of uh, with the pregnancy. But in some countries when it's not, it does affect the baby a lot. And when the baby is born, they have many, um, you know, congenital problems at that time. Then um, it can occur in any age uh, during your lifetime. Also, it's common usually i would say it can occur in any age but it can occur especially during the pregnancy or even the old uh, elderly sometimes um when we are sick it also um you know affects our thyroid gland so we usually don't do thyroid checks when the patient is hospitalized because that affects uh, their thyroid hormone temporarily so i wouldn't like uh, pinpoint a certain age group for that, but it has affected all the ages, sure. basically. Interesting. And uh, mm-hmm. for uh, infants, do they regularly at birth check their thyroid levels? Uh, yeah, they do. Uh, yeah, they do because... Um, so it's an automatic uh, test. Something. Yeah. Uh, it's a blood screen. Because, you know, when the infants have that, um, they may have like normal birth weight and height at that time, but the head is can be larger than expected. Right. And they might have like the muscle tone can be low and they might be drowsy, feeding difficulty, horse, uh, a horse sounding cry and, um, you know, constipation, some sure. problem, so many issues. So, when <laughs> you know, when it's there, I mean, you would see it and uh, of course you would order it. But usually like for the kids, they do it. Yeah. For someone who's on Synthroid, is that a lifetime then? So it depends on the type of hypothyroidism. So hypothyroidism usually, which is the most uh, the most common type of hypothyroidism, is the primary one, which is coming from the thyroid gland dysfunction. But it can also um, uh, be coming from the brain itself, with the pituitary gland, uh, uh, pituitary gland, and the hypothalamic uh, system. Um, can be affected. So there are like primary, secondary, and tertiary causes. So 
It depends on the cause itself. But if it is coming from the most common reason, which is from the thyroid, so there are two more common um, types from there. One is Hashimoto's uh, thyroiditis, uh, which is an autoimmune condition. And um, that is where our own um, antibodies attack the antigen. Basically, uh, it damages our thyroid uh, from that. And um, it has like three stages. Initially, like the gland will secrete a lot of hormone. At that time, you wouldn't need Synthroid. And it would show as you are having a lot of thyroid hormone, but later on it gets depleted. And then you would need the Synthroid. All right, now hold that and thought. And then you would need well, it for the whole, I guess you would need it for the whole lifetime if it doesn't get better. We're going to come right continue back. Continue checking it. Mm-hmm. We're going to come right back to you. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, the mm-hmm. clock keeps running, so stick with me here. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Dr. Rafia Atfab, who is with the WellMed at Mesquite Clinic. Dr. A is one of the family practitioners there, and we're delighted to have her on board. WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Carol Zornio, we talk a lot about caregiving on Caregiver SOS on air, but what is it? Caregiving is caring for a family member, a friend, a loved one, someone who's in your life that needs help with bathing, dressing, buying groceries, medical appointments. If you do any of those things, you're a caregiver. And how can this program help? Caregiver SOS On Air has information from people who have been caregivers, who work with caregivers. It can be book authors, scientists, doctors, the latest information on caregiving right here on KLUP. And one of the things we learn from so many folks is they fail to ask for help when they need it. Well, caregivers do need help. We don't like to ask for help, but we need it. And you'll get tips on how to ask for help and how to have a better life as a family caregiver. Plus, there's a great website you can go to, caregiversos.org. Caregiver SOS on air, Sundays at 6 p.m. on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. We're delighted to have you with us on WellMed Radio today. I'm Ron Aaron. Cora Juke, our nurse practitioner co-host, is on special assignment today. When you hear this show on the radio Stick with us because right after this show, we bring you Caregiver SOS on air. You get two hours of great radio on Sunday afternoons. Everything you need to know about caregiving and your health. I'm Ron Aaron. We're talking on the on the WellMed Radio Hotline with Dr. Rafia Atfab, who is with the WellMed at Mesquite Clinic. She is a board-certified family medicine practitioner. And we've been talking about thyroid, and before we jump to another topic, uh, I want to come back to something that you hinted at uh, early on, and that is uh, if there are problems with the thyroid, either too much hormone or not enough hormone, uh, can that affect weight? So if you're putting a lot of weight on, could that be related to the thyroid? Of course. um, It is a very important symptom of thyroid problem, especially when you have a low thyroid, you can um, gain a lot of weight and you wouldn't know that, um, you know, why you're gaining weight all of a sudden. It does, you know, uh, affect your appetite as well. So um, this is a very common symptom, weight gain. So when you say affects your appetite, it means you don't, when to, you don't know when to stop eating. Actually, it comes with poor appetite. So you will gain weight, but you wouldn't have that oh, much appetite. That's but I have still seen people like their appetite have increased and they have been gaining a lot of weight. And then if you figure that it's the thyroid to begin treatment, uh, can they then begin to take the weight off? It does help. Um, I have seen patients uh, getting the help, especially it does stabilize it and they don't continue gaining weight. Some of the patients have lost weight, but I haven't um, seen like a drastic change and it's a, it's a gradual change. So what, what I have seen in it, uh, um, is that some of those herbal teas, they have, you know, started putting those thyroid, I guess, some, some kind of thyroid medication in it, which I wouldn't suggest to drink those teas to lose the weight so that patient can start losing the weight. But of course, you know, you have to have the thyroid hormone in a very regulated um, uh, uh, value. Like you check your labs and then you give the 
uh, thyroid medication in those uh, dosages so you don't overdo it because that has also caused uh, it also causes side effects so the main um, i would say goal is not to just lose the weight but the overall metabolism needs to be mm. controlled in a, a ongoing manner like not a quick change you know so in other words don't be buying synthroid on a street corner <laughs> of course not yeah because that can affect um, your heart rate and so many other um, you know uh, organs of your body so that needs to be always under you know uh, uh, certified or you know medical professional needs to be sure. taking care of that mm-hmm. so dr a let's transition to something that really spins out of what we were talking about you practice uh, in texas and when you look around, there are a lot of Texans who are really, mm-hmm. really overweight. And when mm-hmm. you have patients who are struggling uh, with obesity, severe mm-hmm. uh, overweight problems, we, we know it causes huge issues uh, for yeah. people. Uh, what's the, is there a magic bullet for losing weight? You know, I have been um, kind of my, um, my uh, it's my own interest area, and I have been like, researching in my own way about it and my approach is more holistic somehow okay what i have um, noticed that whatever you do in like a microwave therapy i would say the results would have a lot of side effects like if we look for quick satisfaction quick gratification things like that they will always have after effects always a natural a little like you know a uh, uh, longer durable way of treating things always work for lifetime you can have a quick change in your weight and then you can re, you know regain it right away or it will have some side effects on your mood or it wouldn't last forever so if you are working on your weight i would think of it as you have taken so many years to gain that weight, right? Give yourself some time to take off that weight. Of course, I'm not talking about somebody who's in a dire need of weight change, like if they are like going through some um, heart disease or something where they need to like quickly do that. So in the long term, we have to take care of a few things. First of all, psychologically, um, the weight gain comes a lot of time from our mental or psychological, uh, I would say, uh, um, approach, that needs to be, you know, taken care of first. If we would have the good control of uh, of uh, our body where we are uh, able to help our um, cravings, we are taking care of ourselves first, we are giving ourselves time, and then we are able to not eat just for the stress, but eat for like taking care of ourselves, that way we'll be able to handle our uh, uh, food choices better. Once we have the control on our mind, then we will choose the right kind of food. I suggest to have like ne- go back to the natural ways, to the olden age, to the you know, that golden age where you're eating more uh, fresh foods, freshly made, uh, made foods, homemade foods where you know what chemicals, what things you are putting in your food and you're not just eating a big burger from your, you know, uh, takeout and you don't know how much sugar they have put in there and, you know, no value, no no good nutritional value in that food. That can be done with good knowledge. Um, seeing a lot of videos where they talk about the food we have nowadays with a lot of genetic changes and all that where you're making your choices of not to eat sugar because that is kind of like cocaine where you have it's like an addiction and you keep on eating and you don't feel full that's a poison so many like so many things if you will talk to me about obesity i can just go in so much detail but like you know go slow have a lot of knowledge and have a good control and love yourself so that you you are taking care of yourself you well, it's interesting because so many mm-hmm. folks are so busy and running mm-hmm. so fast uh, mm-hmm. with grandkids or their own kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, they end up doing the simple thing, uh, which is mm-hmm. go through a fast food restaurant takeout mm-hmm. window. And I heard you mention mm-hmm. sugar in hamburgers. Uh, mm-hmm. Do they actually put that in hamburgers? Well, um, 
I don't know if I can I can say that um, on the radio, but there are some videos. I I don't know if I can take the names where they they show you what kind of uh, food they there are in the market. What are they putting in the food, even the in the meat? What kind of meat it is? And when you will see those videos, of course, it's so hard to watch, but they will give you the whole picture, and you will be able to make good choices. They do put things in in our food which is actually which tastes good artificially but it increases our craving to eat that again and again that's why and you say one of that you say sugars like cocaine yeah i would say yeah i have i mean it's not exactly like cocaine but i would say it like in a town where as much as you eat as much you would like to eat more and more and when you wouldn't eat it you will crave for it and you will try to look for it and find it and then you know it's kind of an addiction what about those who choose to be vegetarians is that a a healthier way to eat or do you end up being low on protein so uh, vegetables are very good for us but what i believe is like um, um you know the higher power or god he has made all those things for us to eat so um, meat is there for us to eat as well but everything needs to be in balance if we eat one thing a lot and just leave the other thing of course the the the, the meat would have some different kind of vitamins b you know uh, vitamin b is in there and all that but if we will just eat meat meat would have a lot of fats and it can clog our arteries everything eat in moderation slowly cut down the amount of food you are eating of course increase the vegetable in your food um increase salad in your food increase green leafy vegetables in your food but if you are not a true vegetarian yourself don't limit yourself or bound yourself for just being you know one kind of a food have all the variety of the foods your food needs to look colorful it needs to have all the ingredients but everything needs to be in a small quantity slowly you can train your stomach to eat less and less with time and the stomach will shrink and you'll be able to eat a small quantity and you will still be able to eat, feel full it's interesting like have, have have more vegetables of course have more fruits of course than having artificial sweets take eat more apple you can even have bananas and you can have like whatever you want as as dessert um but have more fruits as desserts instead of artificial food it's interesting I mean, you can do that <laughs> you go into restaurants today and i'm mm-hmm. sure it's true mm-hmm. up in the uh, dallas mesquite area uh, mm-hmm. and the plates get bigger Are and huge. bigger and yeah. bigger and then of uh-huh. course they fill it with food exactly and you know coming from louisiana uh, i don't know if you have been there the air yeah. quantities oh, yeah. are much more they have their servings are bigger and texas uh, is a little lesser than that but if you go to new york and other areas new jersey they are more um uh, i would say they wash their diet much better than us and obesity is if you see on the streets of louisiana and if you go to new york you would see the difference between the you know obesity on the street as well so taxes have uh, i have seen mixed you know in the in the in the city and in the suburban areas so what you can do like i when i came here i gained a lot of weight because i love food i love eating out but how am i able to manage eating out is you can always ask for salads on the side instead of asking for rice you can have salad and you can have your meat with it um you can uh take out half of your food home you can like if you are there with friends you can share the food instead of ordering fries or hash browns you can have side of fruits and uh, during the whole day just have like one salad as a meal and then you can have one good uh, good meal as a dinner or something at least you would have like one uh meal as like just veg- veggies or if you're taking protein it should not be like fried and things like that so you can still like play with that when you know what you need to do we've discovered a a wonderful product it's not that new but uh, you can now buy frozen ground cauliflower that cooks up mm-hmm. and tastes just like rice mhm 
a lot of people nowadays are going with, with that keto diet and with those new diets they have come up with new ideas like uh, this uh, cauliflower rice and um anything to substitute the carbs and they do taste better i have you know sometimes you don't have to go through like extremes like what i have started doing i used to love rice so now i substitute rice with any salad like if i have my lettuce or whatever and uh, because i'm from pakistan so i love curries so i use the curry as my um um uh, vegetable uh, my salad dressing so whatever kind of uh, whatever uh, area you belong to you can have changes in your foods accordingly so instead of rice it's a great idea to substitute it with cauliflower or even any kind of like veggies and you can put your your gravy or whatever uh, curry or the kind of chicken or what kind of meat you're eating you can put on top of that and you will have the feeling of like you still had your taste but you didn't get to eat a lot of carbs yeah a lot of us uh, grew up eating tons of carbs mhm and i was i grew up well, i'm jewish and growing up mm-hmm. uh, eating uh, bagels uh, mm-hmm. uh, all weekend long that's about mm-hmm. 9 trillion carbs mhm and, and and you know um i i have become gluten free for a longest time because of my own reasons uh, but then i found out that that gluten free bread was full of carbs and sugar and it wasn't lesser in calories so even though gluten free they say you know it's good for so many things but you always have to watch your uh, calories and uh, read read the lab- labels She's Dr. Rafia Atfab. She's with the WellMed Clinic at Mesquite. Dr. A is with us on WellMed Radio Today. I'm Ron Aaron. Korachuk, our co-host, is on special assignment. So it is just me and Dr. A having the best time mm-hmm. talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Now, you, you mentioned uh, you happen to be from uh, Pakistan. There, there are folks mm-hmm. here uh, from uh, uh, Mexico and further south mm-hmm. in, in South America who all grew mm-hmm. up uh, eating a diet that we've now discovered isn't really very good for you. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with but, the cultural uh, influences? But, you know, in each culture, what I have noticed, and you will see that, like, few generations before, our folks were healthy. Like, I'm talking about three or four generations before. The last two or three generations might be, you would see a lot of heart diseases and all. And, of course, you know, the dynamics have been changed that initially when, I mean, uh, if they were farmers, let's say, or they were living in those areas where they would work really hard to get their food, they would digest everything. You know, it wouldn't be, I mean, it wasn't like us, we are on the table all the time on, on our chair. That's jobs that we are not consuming any food and uh, we have a car and we just go home and we are not walking or anything so i think with time if uh, the food was different they were doing harder jobs and they were able to consume those calories and i'm sure they weren't eating from outside <laughs> from mcdonald's yeah exactly and, um, even like in all those um, uh, different uh, civilizations now uh, eating out is very common so in their own, they have their own versions of eating out and the uh, food is not very healthy outside i mean they are not going to put olive oil in your <laughs> in your uh, curries or in your you know whatever they are frying your uh, patties or you know your burgers but uh, using olive oil in your own home is is great so in your own civilization the choices of um food and nutrition um you can change and um uh, i know that um in olden days we didn't have like so much of genetically changed food and uh we weren't using so much fried food that the generation have been changed even though they are eating the cultural food but they are choosing more luxurious food now the food is not much simple now um i, I remember that the food uh, we would eat in the parties would be different than the regular food but since uh, i have started eating out i'm e- eating those party foods every day like we used to eat like biryani which is like full of like rice with the spices and a lot of oil and huh. all the meat but now i can eat it every day because i can go out and have that order you know my, so, my my dad used to say that uh, 
one of the saddest things that ever happened. There, there's a, a, a Jewish food mm-hmm. called Grebens, mm-hmm. which is fried chicken fat. And he said, oh. man, we used to love that. My mom would, uh-huh. uh, you know, fry it up and uh-huh. we'd all, you know, eat it and eat it. And it's now so fun, to yeah. sit down and eat fried chicken fat, you got to be crazy. <laughs> I bet that must have tasted so good. It did. I'm sure. I've never had it. But he swore but sure by it. But weren't eating it every day. No, but he ate it more than just occasionally. <laughs> now, yeah. and those festival food, those festive food right. were kept for some like you know celebrations or something like that. But we have started eating those every day. Yeah, I work with a woman, Carol Zerniel, who is the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, and. She and I co-host Caregiver SOS on air. Oh, and when you go out okay. to eat with Carol, uh, she mm-hmm. can order anything on the menu. But you know what she does? Uh-huh. She doesn't eat a lot of it. So she'll yes. take a bite of this, a bite of that. Uh, and, and, you know, she's uh, uh, perfectly proportioned and thin. And uh, it's, <laughs> it doesn't seem to be a challenge for her. Now, <laughs> one example, we, we had an event uh, at a, a barbecue mm-hmm. restaurant where they serve, mm-hmm. as if barbecue spare ribs aren't fat enough, they serve mm-hmm. deep-fried barbecue spare mm-hmm. ribs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and, and she ate one of them. <laughs> I couldn't eat one. I'm like the Lay's potato chip ad, bet you can't eat one. So I just didn't eat any because I knew I would overdose on them. <laughs> that is a very interesting fact that reminded me, actually, you know, I wish I could say that initially that, you know, the right way to eat, like what I have like learned and every, every culture, they ha- have their own thing, but because I know that. So, you know, let's say um, what we have been told, but we don't do it, <laughs> that eat in, like your stomach divided in three portions. Keep one portion for food, one portion for water and one portion for air. So can you do it? Like just eat the one third of your like, uh, um, appetite and then leave the one third for water and then just leave one third. And if you do that, how can you be obese? You, you know? can't be. And, and, and a person needs just, you know, there was a saying a person just needs a morsel enough for themselves mm. to keep their back straight. So that's how much you need ah. <laughs> to survive. Now there's another woman that, uh, I, I have co-hosted WellMed Radio with, and she's now too busy to do this, but Dr. Robin mm-hmm. Eikoff, you may have met her. She does a mm-hmm. lot yeah, of yeah, training. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about it, yeah. yeah. She's wonderful. Uh, uh-huh. When you go out to eat with her, and you hinted at this earlier, uh, she'll order, mm-hmm. and as she orders her food, she'll say, bring me a, a take-home box. Mm-hmm. And before she takes one bite, she separates mm-hmm. her plate out and, and puts that food that she knows it's yeah. about a half or a third, puts it into that takeout box. That's awesome because, you know, once you start your first bite, then you lose your control. <laughs> then yes. you are under the control of the food and its taste. So well, it's a very, very good idea to do it before you, you have lost your control. <laughs> I lose control when I see it. Yeah, plan, 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 you know, and have a good, like, uh, uh, control in your own brain and have a plan what you're going to do and just execute it and do it. <laughs> Now, did you come to this approach through your family or, or through study and med school? So I had to give a, I'm very like uh, active in the community and I give a lot of lectures. So someone had called me to give a lecture in a mosque and give it like the whole perspective that, you know, the, the lesser religious and what your, you know, own medical and everything. So then when I started researching and then I found out so many things, I'm like, wow, like if like this is so simple. Um, uh, to follow that. So then, yeah, of course, you know, uh, researching more into like what, you know, prophet said, and then I read it and I'm like, wow, okay, that's what they did. Um, one third this, one third that. And then uh, they would say sit and eat slow, chew and like, uh, <laughs> chew and like, you know, you, you need to like taste it. So when you're like sitting in relaxing mode and eating with your fingers, you can, your fingers already have the stimulation when you touch the food and then it's going into your mouth. So the whole like body is involved and it's kind of a being in the moment, you know, that uh, phase where you be, we call in meditation, that mindfulness. Right. And then you're eating it with mindfulness and 
all the chemicals will be released in your body already. You're touching the food. Your like mouth is already saliva is there, and your stomach uh, uh, acids are coming out, and then you're chewing it, and then all the vitamins are being taken in. You know, all those things, like if you really like go, you don't have to reinvent new kind of techniques to lose weight. Things have been there forever. So the California uh, diet, the Montana yeah. diet, the Florida diet, the Mexico diet, uh, every year there's a new fad diet. Yeah. And this this year they would say, oh, don't eat the, uh, the fry food. The next year they would say, oh, just eat the fats and you will lose the weight. And then next time they would say, do this. And then the next year they would say, don't do this. So it's like, you know, you would see the trend. What's that interesting? They say something and then they deny that. So why don't you go back to the old ways and just what they have done it for several hundred years? And you know, I, I liked when you mentioned about eating mm-hmm. slowly, chewing, getting the sense. My wife and I mm-hmm. talk about this a lot because she eats. If she's not listening, that would be a good thing. She eats <laughs> very fast, and, and I I have said to her, Gina, slow down. Hasn't worked. But, you know, with this lifestyle, we have become like that. Like when I was working in the ER at Buffalo, we would talk so fast. We had to eat so fast. Like as doctors, we we learned that to eat like while talking and while working, just grab everything and just chew it down. Not even chew it down. Just (laughs) swallow swallow it. Swallow it, yeah. Yeah, and that was the need of that time. But I realized, you know, our body comes first. We are the vehicle of all the uh, things we're going to do. Like if I'm able to help my patients, I'm a doctor, I need to be healthy first. I need to take care of myself. I need to love myself, give myself what is needed in a more holistic way so I'm able to give it back to the patients. And they they see that energy. And I, and I, I love that, you know. What you take in, that's what you're able to give out. Cora Juke, who is a co-host on this show, she's off today on special assignment, Mm -hmm. nurse practitioner. Uh, She, like you and and, and most Mm -hmm. providers, often talk with their patients about getting control of their weight and dealing with Mm -hmm. uh, obesity. Uh, And Mm -hmm. she was talking to one of her patients. She's told the story on the air. She's talking Mm -hmm. with one of her patients who, who was grossly obese, and she was saying to him, you know, mm-hmm. we need to see if we can get a handle on this. And mm-hmm. he paused and he looked at her and he said, Cora, what about you? <laughs> and, and this is this is like sometimes it's a sad reality. Sometimes we never know that the provider is also struggling with some disease or they're already working on it. But of course, like um, patients do see that. So she did the right thing. And Mm -hmm. uh, I am so proud of her for doing this. She said to him, you know, you're right. I do need to lose weight. Why don't Mm -hmm. we do it together and challenge each other like buddies? She went ahead and lost 60 pounds. He went ahead and lost about 150 pounds. uh, And it's made him a healthier and better person. And it's been great for her because she didn't react negatively to his comment. Wow. So that is a very great, that's a great idea that uh, whatever, um, you know, problem you feel like, you can just always have somebody to work with together and it always helps. You know, doing it by yourself, sometimes you lose the track and you're doing it with someone, even if it's your patient, um, you know, will help you tremendously. Group group work, teamwork always is better than doing it yourself. Now, you mentioned when you moved to Texas, uh, you love mm-hmm. the food so much, you gained about 10,000 pounds. <laughs> what got yeah, you to, ta- I, what I got you to take it pounds. off? Um, I was never, like, overweight. Uh, actually, I wanted to gain some weight. But since I came to America, the food was, like, available. And I'm not sure what, what was in it that I started gaining a lot of weight. And I'm not used to of that. So my family, my family would always pointed out to me that you need to take care of yourself, my friends, and uh, I myself, because when I tell my patients and when I give lectures outside, I don't want to, like, be artificial. I want to, like, really, I, I need to believe in it when I deliver. So that also takes back the responsibility to myself. That's that so I important. I need to be doing it, too. 
And, and you know, unless you're wearing uh, Mama Cass tents for dresses, uh, mm-hmm. your clothes will tell you when you've gained weight. That is something very interesting that you don't have to look at your um, weighing machine. And then when uh, this happened to me that I got like fed up of buying clothes all the time, I'm like, either I need to control my weight or um, I should just say myself, I'm not going to buy any more clothes. Whatever it is, I need to fit in that. All right. Stay with us. We're coming mm-hmm. right back to you. This is a fascinating mm-hmm. conversation with mm-hmm. a physician up at WellMed at Mesquite. Dr. Rafia Atfab, they call her Dr. A, and we're going to come right back to her on WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. Carol Zorniel, we talk a lot about caregiving on Caregiver SOS on air, but what is it? Caregiving is caring for a family member, a friend, a loved one, someone who's in your life that needs help with bathing, dressing, buying groceries, medical appointments. If you do any of those things, you're a caregiver. And how can this program help? Caregiver SOS On Air has information from people who have been caregivers, who work with caregivers. It can be book authors, scientists, doctors, the latest information on caregiving right here on KLUP. And one of the things we learn from so many folks is they fail to ask for help when they need it. Well, caregivers do need help. We don't like to ask for help, but we need it. And you'll get tips on how to ask for help and how to have a better life as a family caregiver. Plus, there's a great website you can go to, caregiversos.org. Caregiver SOS on air, Sundays at 6 p.m. on 930 a.m., The Answer. I'll tell you what, I've got to be one of the luckiest people in the world. I work with two fabulous co-hosts, Cora Juke, nurse practitioner on WellMed Radio, and Carol Zerniel on Caregiver SOS on air. They make it so easy and so entertaining and so much fun to do that. And we have a guest with us today who is very much like they are easy to talk to with a great deal of knowledge. We're talking with Dr. Rafia Atfab. Dr. A is with the WellMed at Mesquite Clinic. I'm Ron Aaron. And Dr. Atfab, before we run out of time here, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, I want to thank you for coming on. You're great. And I'll bet you for talks you give are in great demand. The more people hear you, the more they want to hear more from you. <laughs> that was my pleasure. It was so nice to talk to you. I felt like, you know, um, I can uh, deliver what I know and I can help people. And it's so fascinating to talk about food and uh, taking care of ourselves. That's my favorite subject, you know. Now, in your your own life, growing up in mm-hmm. uh, Pakistan, you went mm-hmm. to uh, uh, medical school in, in Pakistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was the transition to the to the U.S.? Was that difficult for you? Uh-huh. Uh, I would say that kind of the medical uh, approach is quite different. We have studied in a British system. So our approach is more like we don't order so many like tests. Um, Let's say like if somebody is having rib pain or something, uh, our uh, uh, knee like jerk reflex is not like uh, um, we order chest x-ray. We have like different test we like tests and do different kind of like hand related uh, things on the patient exams and then we would know that what patient is having uh, some problem so it's like approach is very different um, over here the approach is more uh, test driven so but I like over here, everything is so organized. Like uh, by that time when I started working, the computers were more available. EMR system was there. So everything is there and finding out is, is more easy. Over there, we have a different system. We had initially a different kind of system where we would have like questions and answers in the exams. Over here, it was more MCQs. Now they have a, a change to more MCQs as well. Now but, what, uh, what, what does um, that mean? When you're describing the change, what does that mean? Yes. So the test system, testing systems, the way the exams would come is different. It's, it's now similar like here, I oh, guess. Okay. More MCQs. Uh, uh, we were more trained hands-on, I would say, over there, which is still still present, hands-on. Uh, but the tests are more advanced over here. We have more uh, facilities. Um, I would say everyone is getting higher quality of the care when 
the the cost is covered for the test. Over there, the the poor people have free treatment available. There are many uh, community-based hospitals who are providing the quality care, right. but uh, not everyone is getting like tests which are more expensive. So I would say pros and pro, pros and cons. Both sides are different, but. Uh, over here, the technology is so advanced. The research, I would say, the research part is amazing. I have done research like one year at uh, University of Buffalo, so that was amazing. And I think my mind is more research-oriented. And I did research in Pakistan as well, so oh. uh, I like that. You know, it's fascinating. How'd you like the uh, weather? We in- can learn from both ways, like here and there. You know, we can do so much. Yeah. How'd you like the weather in Buffalo? Oh my God. There was uh, snow all the time. But interestingly, I have lived in New Jersey for six, seven years. Uh-huh. So I, I still like Buffalo because I could see sun. Somehow the timings, the, the year I was in New Jersey, it would be always cloudy. If, if it's oh. not like snowing, it would be raining. So I wouldn't see sun as much. In Buffalo, there was a lot of snow, but I would see sun. And That's I, cool. I, and I like the you know, fact where they, we had those uh, um, waterfalls. Right. Niagara Falls, right there. Like, I was half an hour away from there, so that I gotta, was great. I, I got to stop you right here. We are flat out of time. You are uh-huh. a fabulous guest. I learned a lot uh, listening Thank to you. Thank you so much. And we hope to have you back again. We'll be in oh, touch. Sure. Thank you, Doctor. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. I had a uh, fantastic time talking to oh, you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Dr. A, you find her at the WellMed at Mesquite Clinic. I'm Ron Aaron. You're listening to WellMed Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been enjoying WellMed Radio, an exclusive presentation of WellMed Medical Management. Join us next week for more on your health and well-being. For more information on WellMed or to hear this broadcast again, go to wellmedmedicalgroup.com. We'll see you next week on WellMed Radio.